Hi again, everyone. I'm Matt Laughlin. Welcome to the official Devils podcast. The Devils are celebrating the 20th anniversary of their second Stanley Cup. And on February 1st, when the Dallas Stars pay a visit here to Prudential Center, there will be a reunion of that championship team. Of course, it was Dallas that the Devils defeated in an epic six-game series to win their second Cup and the double overtime game winner by Jason Arnett that sealed that game and Lord Stanley's championship will live forever in Devils history. Well, we've spoken previously with Jason Arnett about that moment, but we wanted to talk about the rest of that season leading up to the championship round against Dallas and nobody better than our two guests, both in the Hall of Fame, both Devils heroes. The captain, Scott Stevens and Marty Brodeur, to rewind the clock and talk about the year 2000. We could pick a starting point for the season anywhere, but you brought up Claude Lemieux. He was not on the team at the start of the year. Uh, he was, of course, a member of the 95 championship team, and then there's a falling out and he gets traded. What impact, when you heard first, Scotty, that he was coming back, what did you think and, and what kind of an impact did he have? Well, I think we're all excited. We, we know what type of impact player he is in the regular season, but the playoffs, we know he's a difference maker. And uh, he brought confidence to the club. I mean, we, we were a good team, but to have a guy that's produced and won a Stanley Cup and knows what it takes, especially with a young team, it was great to have Claude in the room. And Claude's a special player. He's a guy that comes to play and he hates to lose, and you want those guys on your team. So I think he really helped to motivate and bring some leadership to the club. Yeah, you know what? It's a kind of one of those uh, unusual uh, trade too, because uh, it happened. I think it's during warmups. I don't know if you remember. You know, they pulled Brian Olson out of the warmups, and they said, "Yeah, you can't play." And we're like, how come you can't play? And next, you know, the trade was was made was made uh, with Claude coming in. You know, obviously, I have a special bond with Claude, being from from Montreal and all that. Won my first Stanley Cup with him in '95. Uh, he really took me under his wing in '95, so to have him back, um, you know, I, we just felt that it was, it was a it was a big piece that maybe we were missing. You know, we had some great years, uh, but never could get out of the first round for whatever reason. Uh, and in 2000, uh, when when Luke started committed himself for us, when he when he thought we had a good team, he started with Claude, and obviously we'll, I'm sure we'll talk about other guys uh, uh, that we added along the way. But uh, you know, he was a big part of it, and we felt that this year could be different because they made a commitment, the organization made a commitment of having bringing back a player like Cloak. Given the way it though ended the first time, were you surprised that he was brought back by the organization? Not with Lou. Lou, uh, you know, he's one of those guys that uh, he, 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 you know, he has a short memory and he'll do anything to bring a championship to a, a town and help the, the guys he has in that club. And he felt could be a valuable part to our success and help us uh, win our second, second Stanley Cup. So with Lou, no, Lou has a history of actually bringing guys back to that he formerly had on his club. So that, that wasn't a surprise. And uh, like I said, Lou does what helps the team win and, and Claude, uh, that's what he did for us. To Marty's point, was that a shot in the arm that maybe that team needed? Because and we'll go back to the pressure you might have faced entering the year because not having great regular season success, but not postseason success. Was that important for the general manager to say, here's another important piece I'm adding to what I think is a great team. I've got faith in you guys. Now go out and do it. Well, that's, I mean, that's one thing with Lou, you know, he tried every single year to, to make us win. You know, every deadline, we were always looking at something. How is he going to help us this year? And you know what? It, 
rarely failed. He always tried to tweak something. Sometimes it was big, sometimes it was small. And, and, you know, some of the smaller ones helped us winning the Stanley Cups and other big ones that the 2000, I thought, was more of an active year for him to really help us out than with all the young players that we had coming up uh, that year. And then the, the Madden and, you know, Colin White, Rapalski and Gomez, uh, you know, we needed some veterans also. Yeah, I think you're right, especially with the way the young guys developed over the season and became impact players for us. I think maybe Lou felt, you know, this this might be the year right now. As young as these guys are, they're, they're you know, valuable contributors to our hockey club. Let's take a run at it. And you're right, Marty. Every year he tried to make this club better. But I think that 2000 was a special year, probably because of those young players making such an impact so early. Uh, and along with Rafalski, Gomez, Mann, White, he went out and got a few other players that helped us over the top. Well, March was an incredible trade-a-thon for the Devils. A lot of trades were made in a very short period of time, adding players as well, and we can get to that. Was there pressure? Did you guys, thinking back on it, feel any extra pressure? Because 97, you do win the first round, but lose to the Rangers. Don't make it in 96. First round exit in 98, first round exit in 99. Yeah, great regular seasons. Did you feel any extra pressure that our window with this core group might be closing without another cup? I don't know. You know, I think our pressure was to win every single year. I mean, that's that's what was demanding of us. Uh, like, dude, there was no, there was no, uh, no second. There's thing. no runner up, was, right? Yeah, you don't get a cup for exactly, second. No, exactly. I was 36. The window was closed. Yeah, for you, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> I was still a bit young. Yeah, but so, I, I understand. I think we. We had some good teams, and when you taste, you know, from the '94 uh, series losing to the Rangers to '95 winning the Stanley Cup, this was my first two years in the league. I'm like, this is easy. Well, you know what? You know, the league showed me like for the next four years, not able to get out of the first round or so. Uh, that was hard, and so you appreciate the moments, and and uh, obviously getting uh, you know, led by Lou and, and, and making everything possible for us to be successful. Um, it was kind of shutting the arm, like you said earlier, to, to, to say, well, maybe this, this is our year. And with the development of all the young players and, and some of us coming into our prime, other guys solidified their prime also. Um, you know, it was, it was kind of a great, a great year. At 36, were you thinking how many more kicks at the can might I have? I mean, you wound up also <laughs> winning in 2003, as it turned out, but was that a thought? Oh, it is always. Even, like I said, uh, I was thinking about my my first cup. I had already played 13, 14 years. Marty, how many did you play? You said one or two and you won a yeah, cup? Yeah, my second year. Second yeah. year. So for me, that was a huge cup in 95. I know we're talking about 2000, but I already played 14, 15 years. So that was a special cup. So at 36, yeah. I mean, uh, obviously I stayed in good shape and loved the game and, and could still play. But I mean, 36, you're still, you know, your window is definitely closing. Uh, and I was fortunate, we were fortunate to win in 2000, 2003. Yet. Where was the point, or was there a point in the season when you thought maybe, or did it have to wait to the playoffs? You know what? I, I, I'm with Marty. We, I think as an organization, we felt we had a chance every year, and we were a good club. We, we had a great core group here of guys that uh, expected to win, and we held each other accountable. And Lou did a great job. Dr. McMullen was phenomenal uh, owner, and also, you know, let Lou run the show and, and do the things he had to do for us to have success. So, but I, like I said, we, we were a team that uh, wanted to win. We wanted to win every night. We wanted to win every year. And it's, you know, how hard it is to do. Uh, but 2000 came together and it was a special year. And that's why we're here celebrating. What moments of that year stand out? Because there are a lot at the end. Robbie Couture gets let go as coach among them. But are there certain other moments that stand out? Well, there's, there's a bunch. You know, obviously, getting you know, 
McGillie coming to our lineup. You know, uh, you know, being from Montreal, I heard a lot of stories about Laddie in Montreal. He was injured skiing, you know, and getting caught by the media. And it was like, next thing you know, he comes to New Jersey. I'm like, what's going on here? You know, it's all yeah, he's a good fit, you know, and yeah. it's all the, all that thing. But obviously, the, the big moment, and, and I think it's a pretty gutsy moment for, for Lou to make it the coaching change at that time of the year. Uh, you know, and I know it, it was not a drastic one because it came from an assistant coming up to the head coach, but it was a different voice, and uh, I mean, that takes that takes some courage uh, as a general manager to, to you know put your foot down and say, hey, this is what we're going to need, and you know, it paid off. Did you see it? I'm sorry. No, and I think that I don't know if I saw that coming, Marty. Yeah. It was, I think I was caught totally off guard because we had a really good record with Robbie, but. It just shows Lou having a pulse of the team that there was something that he didn't like going forward and didn't want to repeat his failure years in the first round. So he decided to be proactive and make that move. And Larry turned out to be a very, you know, very good coach and is exactly what we needed to move ahead and win our second Stanley Cup. Yeah, the record had fallen off a little bit down the stretch there under Robbie. And, and I guess Lou didn't want to take any chances. And one thing we know, Lou is decisive once he sees something. He makes his move. What kind of conversation did you have with Larry after he took over? I think Larry kind of just backed me as a captain, which meant a lot to me and really kind of helped me and helped us move forward. And, and Larry was very special. Obviously, he coached me for a lot of times, a lot of years. I learned a lot from, from Larry. Uh, Larry being such a great defenseman that he was, Hall of Famer, won all those cups constantly. So he was very important to my, uh, my growth, even though. I had played, you know, probably 12 years before Larry became my coach, but I learned the most from Larry. So Larry was a big impact on a lot of players on that hockey club. And, you know, he's the guy, like I said, um, we haven't really touched on it, but that series against Philadelphia, we got three games to one. I think Larry came in and really, he sort of gave it to us, but he just said, you guys aren't giving yourself a chance to win. And he was very instrumental, I think, in us overcoming that deficit against the Flyers. What, what are your recollections of that meeting, which include a, famously a kicking of a garbage can? Yeah, well, that's par for the course for any coaches. <laughs> Scotty's done that, I'm <laughs> sure. <laughs> this or the uh, Gatorade bottle, one or the other. Yeah. Uh, but no, I, I think it came from his from his heart. You know, that that, that was, I think, caught that's him by surprise. Says, yeah. You know, like, it was, emotional. Think, it was emotional about his speech. And it, it's not like, you know, he was getting mad. It was just like, you guys are so good. You don't. You don't understand what you're, you're going. You're letting this slip right through your fingers. And you, right now, you guys tried it your way. Now we're done. It didn't work. You're trying my way now. And we just all jumped in with him and listened to what he had to say. And you know, we closed our eyes. We went shift by shift, period by period, game by game. And the next thing you know, we overcome one of the hardest things to do is being three one in the series and not to win a game seven on the road. That's what a lot of guys say. Jason Arnett mentioned it when we spoke with him in Dallas about that conversation that Larry had with the team after falling behind three games to one. He said he didn't pick on players. You're not doing this. You're not doing that. It was really from the heart. Like, there's an opportunity here that you guys just aren't grasping right now. And I imagine had he gone the blame route, it could have had a different result. Absolutely. It was emotional. And I just think he, he felt we weren't giving ourselves a chance. We weren't playing the right way. And, you know, he just got us back on track. Kind of like push the reset button, get back to playing devil's hockey and doing what we have to do to win, and having to do it pretty much uh, picture perfect because, like we talked about, coming back from the three-one deficit, you, you got to be perfect. You got to be spot on. You can't. Uh, no one can fall asleep at the wheel. And 
that's what we did. But it all started with Larry getting us back on track, hitting the reset button, and getting us back to playing Devils hockey. So you win game five in Philadelphia, come back for game six, which you win here. At that point, are you starting to think the wheels are turning our way? We got something magical happening here? Well, that's that's a playoff hockey. It's such a momentum swing. You know, you, you come in one day, you lose a game, you think you'll never win a game. You win one game, you think you'll never lose a game. And and that's just the feeling we had. We were able to go. And I think it was kind of good for us to go on the road for that one game, game five, and, and, and win in their building. Uh, because by saying that, like, we, we played well before we, we got that, you know, we, the whole the whole playoffs we had a great playoffs and we just kind of hit that little rut against that and we just needed like a little kick and, and we, we got it back and you know we, after that we never looked backwards do you remember what you were thinking about before game seven back in philadelphia you know it's going to be a loud raucous crowd so much at stake do you recall what you were thinking about well it was you know, it was kind of like, okay, here it is. We've clawed back. We've got ourselves to a point where we can make history with this game and win a big game and move on to you know, compete for the Stanley Cup. So uh, probably a little more pressure, but feeling good that we gave ourselves that chance and realizing that if we do what we've done the last two games, when we corrected our game and got back on track and do it again and just have to be bang on, spot on, not miss a, an assignment, each and every one of us trusting each other to do their job that we could have a chance to win the conference finals and move on. And it wasn't easy, but uh, we accomplished that. Heck, you came all that way. No sense stopping now, right? Yeah. Well, you know, it's one of those things. So you get to Philadelphia, it's always a building the Devils done really well. In. And so it's a sense of comfort. I know for me personally, I always played really well in Philadelphia for whatever reason. Uh, maybe because everybody hated me or something. I don't know, probably. Uh, but we, we got to that position and we, I felt really comfortable you know we uh, I mean, obviously was nervous like anybody else but we you know we wanted to get a chance to do something special and finally the last two games provided us that chance that night and uh, you know it, it takes its heart it's uh, you know think about the, the whole process of this game from from scotty's hit to, to patty's goal like how the fine line everything is you know some of the guys missed open net on me or hit the post or it, it's a fine line, so that's why you got to stick with it and believe in what you believe in, how you play the game, and you know that, that's what you win. And you can always look back. There's always a moment that say, you know what? If that one guy didn't do his job, there's no way we could have won. And, and uh, it's a little different from uh, the 2000 Cup. And you know the other thing is we we always relish playing on the road in hostile environments. We enjoyed that, and we were always a good road team. So I think that helped us win the Philly, also win the two previous games and one third game five and win that. So. Uh, there's no question that that uh, building was fun to play in because people hated us and, and didn't like us, so it uh, it made it that much more fun the rivalry. Marty mentioned the, the check on Eric Lindros. It's a part of hockey history. The air goes out of the building as one of their leaders uh, gets knocked out of the game. At the time, what are you thinking? And looking back on it, Scott, what? Are you well, at the time, it was you know I you know I played the game hard. Uh, I don't want to hurt people, but I play to win. And it was actually a little tough for me to move on from that in that game. But like I said, I I, I play to win, and I'll do whatever it takes to help my hockey club win. And a big part of my game was playing physical. People knew how I played and knew where I like to make my physical contact. So it wasn't new to people. But um, it's uh, it kind of is the defining moment to a certain part of my career where I really don't want it to be. 
but um, that's the way I played the game. And for me to have success and to help my team the most, the physical part was how I had to play for everything else to come together. Well, it's funny because you know, everybody asks me, you know, you have the best seed for Scotty's team. And I go, you know what? I never saw one of his eggs. Like, how come? I go, well, I follow the puck. And usually, you know, by the time he hits it, the puck's out of, out of there and I got to go like this. But it, you know what? It was an important part of the game back then. Uh, and, and that's how we, we had our success. We were tough, you know, from from, from Kenny to, to Scotty, you know, the guy that played physical, Randy McCabe, Peluso, Bob Whitey, Ken Whitey. Like, this is the way we played. The game was a lot different back then than it is now, that's for sure. But, you know, we, uh, like I said, I was fortunate as a goalie to have, you know, Peter, Dano, and Scotty for over 10 years. There's not many goalies that can say, well, you know, you have three defensemen that play for so long. So it was, uh, it was, a, it was a great thing. And it, as you said, it was part of the game. Looking at it from the outside, though, I remember all of those Devils teams. You might have beaten them, but you were going to have you're going to feel right? that's the way the game was played. You might have lost a particular game, but the Devils were going to play you hard start to finish. And so it was what it was. It was part of the Devils' DNA. Why was it hard? And was it harder in 2000 than it was, say, in 95 on the Slava Kozlov hit? What made it different? You said it was hard a little well, bit. Well, probably because it's Eric Lindos. I mean, he's a Hall of Famer. He's, uh, you know, won the Hart Trophy. Uh, you know, not, not nothing against Kozlov, but um, there's a history there. I've played in Europe in different events with him, so I knew him, but I don't have friends in the race. And that's, I'm old school to some extent, and I, I play hard, and it doesn't matter who I'm playing against, no one's going to get a free pass. So I guess all those things uh, make it difficult. But um, it is what it is, and uh, if I had a chance to go over again, I wouldn't change a thing. So what was your view of Patrick Eliash's goal? And I'm going to ask you what your point of view was when Patrick scores late in that game to give the Devils the 2-1 lead and they go on to win game seven. Oh, incredible. I mean, it's it's that was a huge game. You don't want to go home and play another game. Uh, you want to get it done. And uh, we were playing against a tough opponent, well-coached opponent uh, in Dallas. But, um, well, I'm sorry. You've jumped ahead to that, and we're going to get oh, to sorry. that. Oh, sorry. Oh, sorry. Oh, sorry. Oh, sorry. Oh, sorry. Okay. But that's right, that's right. And you is there, is there a game eight? eight? Is there a game eight? <laughs> no, no, everybody talks, everybody okay. talks about yes. Pat, yeah. Patty's passing yes. out of the corner. Somebody, people don't remember who got it there, but we'll get to that because yeah. it was you. But game no, no. seven, yeah. Patrick's Patrick's goal that wins game seven to yeah. set you on to the Stanley Cup final. Okay. What yeah. was your point of view? And then, Marty? I believe I was on the ice, and I believe it was late in the game because I, I, you know, was, I haven't yeah. looked back. I looked at the Dallas series, but it was late in the game, maybe two, three minutes left, nothing, nothing yeah. game, I think, was it, Marty? I just know it was close. And, yeah. and that was the winning goal. There was only two, yeah. three minutes left after that. It was huge. It took the air out of the building. But this is what Patrick did. This is what that line did for us. Uh, and a lot of people don't realize we were the second highest scoring team in 2000. And, you know, we, I, I'm sorry I'm getting off track, yeah. but I want to let people know there because they always say, oh, they're a trap team, they're a defensive team, second highest scoring team in 2000. Patrick was a big part of that, along with Arnett and Sakura, and Patrick scored a lot of big goals, and that was a huge goal in Philly to win the series for us. It's one of those things that, that I think it was the first time for me anyway that, that we went to a playoff series and took the air out of the building. I mean, Scotty Woodis did it, but, you know, that's not winning and losing it's in the middle of the game, but that goal, 
like they finally hit them that they might lose the series, the fans mm -hmm. in Philadelphia. And that's that last, you know, two or three minutes when Paris of the amount of time, I'm not sure. It was unbelievable. Like they, they, were, they were almost scared to cheer. They, they were like in disbelief. And that's as a visiting team, it's great. You know, we had a similar experience in Ottawa in 03, you know, when Free scored that goal. But, you know, similar uh, thing that it's one of the great goals of our franchise. And, you know, obviously winning the Stanley Cup and Arnie's goal is always going to be a big one. But we don't get there if Patty doesn't score that one. And then Brian Boucher was excellent. Like the whole playoff. He was a young guy at the time. He played really, really well the whole series. And it took us everything to, to beat him. And especially, I don't remember the scores of the other games that, that, that we played to get back in the series, but it was not that easy. Patty um, uh, you know, was a plush player. Patty's goal reminded me, different circumstances, different kind of shot, but reminded me a little bit of Claude's goal in 95, where the building just kind of went, we're going to lose this game, we're going to lose this series. It was, to me, it was yeah. eerily similar because I'm sure that's what the Philly fans were thinking. Like, again? Yeah. We're going to lose on a late goal again? Uh, again, different series and, and what have you. So, and, and I want to go back and talk about some of the characters on the team, but we have to go to the to the Stanley Cup final. Uh, was it, were you, did the momentum carry you into the series or was there a reset that you had to take because it was such an emotional series against Philly? It was a defining moment. I mean, that was, that was our defining moment for that year in the playoffs. And I think there had to be a bit of a reset because that took a lot of energy and a lot of will and a lot of uh, playing pretty much perfect hockey to overcome that deficit against the Flyers. But when you come to the Stanley Cup Finals, uh, you know what's at stake and we were a fairly veteran team and we understood what was what had to be done and uh we were able to get that done in dallas you had a battle with eddie belfort i mean you didn't actually go up against him but you knew what they had in goal and they knew what the devils had in goal yeah well you know we worked so hard to get to to the Stanley cup finals and then you turn around and, and we had a bunch of us that that won in 95 so we could help our younger guys or the guys that were never there to kind of what to expect because it's a new season, you know. You get to the Stanley Cup Final. It's something that you've never experienced before. The intensity, the uh, the media attention, like your family, like everything around the game is crazy. And so, you know, we had you know the luxury of having somewhat of an experience. But on the other side, they just won the Stanley Cup the year before, mm -hmm. you know. And so, like to to repeat, it's not an easy thing to do. But they put themselves in a situation that they could repeat. And so they were really hungry. And you know, obviously, with with the if you if you look at the the length of the of the of the uh, of the series, they didn't want to go anywhere. Like, come on, like we, we had them in game five and they got us three overtimes, game six, se second overtime. You know, they didn't want to give it up and that's kind of uh, what we had to face, uh, you know, for, for, you know, for the two weeks that we had to face uh, the Stars. Mike Madonna scores that triple overtime game to force a game six. He scores in game five. Uh, are you thinking, uh-oh, opportunity has slipped by a little bit because now you're going to Dallas and if you lose there, now they've got the momentum. It's Philly all over again. You're coming back home for Game 7. I think so, but I think we could feed off the previous series against the Flyers, and we knew we had to go take care of business in Dallas. And like I said, we showed that we were a good road team. We always were a good road team. We thrived on the road, so we had to go up to Dallas and, and just go do our magic on the road once again and, and play our play our game and play devil's hockey. And uh, we were able to get it done there against, like Marty said, a, a really good team, a team that's won before, a team that knows how to win. And uh, it was a tight series, but like I said, the game six was, or the game five was was a was a huge game. Well, you just look at the way that we we finished the series. You know, we had, two, you know, obviously we had three games to win the Stanley Cup, and we didn't try to win it. Like obviously it was a zero zero game. 
you know, in game five, three overtime. That's a, that's a, it, it's a pretty tough game to play. But you know what? We kept the process. Mm -hmm. The process was in front of us, and Larry wanted us to play a certain way. We went to Dallas, and we did the same thing, and we picked each other up, regardless if it was Arnie taking that that penalty late in the first overtime to to get a big kill for him. You know, and next thing you know, he gets rewarded by scoring the goal. So we we did it the right way. Uh, you know, obviously sometimes you win, you know, whatever reason, but we won as a team that year, and that that's what makes it so great. Big kid has an impact on that game as well. In Game Six, Peter Sikora gets knocked out of the game. Uh, do do play do players have the ability to feel empathy and sympathy and care for their teammate, but say we got to keep going though? I'm just wondering what that moment was like. Well, I think we get angry because you know you you. You don't want to see one of your top players getting, uh, you know, knocked out of the game, especially in a, such an important game and such an important player on on that big line with Arnott and Eliash. But I think you can do one of two things: you can you can get mad and and uh, you know lose your cool a bit. But I think we kept our cool and we played for uh, for Peter, and we we rallied around that incident that happened to Peter and uh, made the best of it and and did what a, a good disciplined Devils team does: play play the right way and get revenge on the scoreboard, and, and that's how we did it in that game. And so we get to the second overtime. Arnie sweats out the penalty, thinking, good Lord, if they score <laughs> here and we lose this game, uh, I will feel shame for the rest of my life, potentially. So now we get to that second overtime. Just run through uh, for us, Marty, starting with you. What's happening? What you're thinking? The mental toll. You've played a triple overtime game in five, and now it's a double overtime game in six with so much at stake, and then that play develops out of the corner. Yeah, I mean, that, that play was, was something, like, especially for where, where I was standing, I could see the whole thing come coming about. Uh, but just, just before that, Brett Hall comes down the blue line, takes this long slap shots on me, hits my glove. I think it's in. And next thing you know, I'm not hearing anything, and I just drop on my butt. And next thing you know, I'm able to freeze the puck. That feeling for that one second, I thought like I had like one of those worst goals like you could get scored on and move on to game seven. And next thing, you know, oh, whew, all right, caught a break now. Or, uh, you know, I misplayed it, but we didn't pay the price. But obviously, on that play with, with Arnie scoring was just kind of what we did. You know, like we had no play, we kept it deep and we grinded it, and uh, you know. Guys are tired in, in overtime, and, and so that's why throwing pucks at the net, you know, uh, Patty might tell you he saw him wide open there. <laughs> I still got my doubts. I think he, I had a good view too, Marty. And um, you were at the left point there. Yeah, yeah. I, it's funny in that in this day and age of hockey, I was watching some of the clips, and as much as the game's changed, it really hasn't changed that much. Mm -hmm. It was kind of a side to side is what we want to do. Yeah. You want to change side to side to move the. The, the box or the defensive the defense unit, coverage, and yeah. I kept the puck in, went around, and then Jason just found that soft spot, so it was kind of a change of size, and then come back through the seam, and I believe from where I was, I believe Patrick took a peek before he made that play to Jason, and we know how good that line was. That's probably the best line yeah. in, in Devils history, one of the best lines maybe ever in the National Hockey League, and they knew where each other was at all times and where they're going to be, and that was just an instance of, you know, Patrick knowing right where Jason was going to be and Jason knowing that that puck was going to come there. Yeah, it was, like I said, like for us, it, that relief that when he kind of shot it, then it took a, about, about half a second before the, for me, for more, where I'm standing, I can't see if the puck goes in or not, but the red light goes on and it's like, oh, party on now. So it was, uh, it was awesome. <laughs> it, it was bedlam. And of course, Jason's throwing the gloves in the air, the stick, and he comes around the boards and you gave him that big bear. You weren't letting him go. <laughs> <laughs> Out of my way, I'm going. No, it was fantastic. And, and you know, that 
Stat Cup was on the road, 95 was at home, and it is kind of neat on the road. As much fun as we had yeah. celebrating right. with the fans that. here, we kind of just went on and on, just relishing the moment and how we got there and how we won that cup as a, as a group after the game in Dallas. And it was kind of fun with our f family there. Yeah. It was kind of a special moment. Yeah, it was, it was different. You know, obviously for our fans, it's fun. I think the experience of winning in, in your own building, but winning on the road with the whole team together and be able to spend time right away. You know, the players, we have spent time. We'll, we'll find a way to spend time together. Uh, but in Dallas, like, it was right away. We just got to our locker room. It was only us and our families. And we stayed there till I don't know what time. It was like it was an awesome feeling. Was, no, no it went from there to the hotel, I think, yeah. and just carried on right yeah. into the morning. And yeah, right we probably had breakfast, and then yeah. we're on. <laughs> and then picked it up in New Jersey. I'm sure the Verona Inn uh, <laughs> showed up somewhere uh, on the on the calendar that uh, that next week or so. Uh, you were given the Conn Smythe Trophy uh, for your play throughout the playoffs, playoff MVP. Obviously, a very important part of of your play in the National Hockey League and a part of your Hall of Fame resume. Uh, going back to what you felt coming into the season, Larry's conversation with you, the satisfaction that you were able to lead this team as captain to its second Stanley Cup championship. Well, it's it's an honor and it's very special and to win the, the Conn Smythe. Uh, I have always said this, when a team wins a championship, a Stanley Cup, there's probably two or three players that are deserving on that team of winning that, that trophy, so I, I was very honored. But I, you know, we had a great support group. We had great leadership in that dressing room, Marty being a leader. We, we had that good core group, which is so important to win championships. And uh, everybody, uh, you know, watched us as leaders and, and followed and did the right thing. So to be a captain and have the support of these quality players around me, uh, it's, it's special. It's, a, it's an important job. It's, it's demanding. It's fun. And, but it's great when you have players that respect you and follow you. And uh, that's what I've been fortunate to have here with the teams I've captained uh, to the, the three Stanley Cups. Great leadership, great, great people to follow, and a good support cast like Marty, Kenny, Nieder, all these guys uh, that have been here so long. But you shut down Pavel Bure in the first round. Uh, Toronto didn't do much at all offensively in the second round. John LeClaire is shut down in round. I mean, and then even Brett Hall and, and Mike Madano, they had a little bit of an impact. Madano's goal in five, but they came in on a tear offensively, and that, that was your assignment. These guys are your assignment, yep, right? Yeah, that's my assignment. And, you know, you always got Marty there if I miss assignment or something goes wrong. But that was kind of my role, and I accepted that role. I relished that role. It's always fun to, to have a challenge. And, and my challenge, uh, you know, later on in my career turned out to be a guy that keeps the other team off the board. And uh, I enjoyed that. It was fun. And uh, it wasn't easy, but uh, it was fun to frustrate the other team. And also give my team our team confidence to, to move forward and, and to win games by uh, keeping them off the board and like I said we have you know the best goalie of all time Marty and we had uh, a solid team uh, and we could score some goals too so uh, if we could keep the top guys off the board we knew we had enough scoring with what Lou did getting McGillney and with the A line how good they were that year that we could we could beat anybody well McGillney comes in March uh, Malikov comes in March to add depth and, and that's not fair to him because he certainly is 
He's a good defenseman, but he just added to the group, and here comes Mo Gilney, and you had added Claude Lemieux. So there were a lot of changes. Robbie comes. I mean, it was just an incredible, crazy year in terms of the emotions. I think Dr. Mack announces he's selling the team to Yankee Nets. So, so many emotions that year. Just a, a wild season. Yeah, I think that was a bigger thing than uh, the, the the sale. There's a lot of talk. Nashville, I think, was one of the places maybe, was it? Or, that, or was, not, that was early on. It was, was it? 95, wasn't it? 95, more talking about Nashville, whether we the, the team would get another <laughs> building. But now an era is coming to an yeah, end. Yeah, Dr. Yeah. Mack, who brought the team to New Jersey, is selling to Yankee Nets. Yeah, and that was, that, was his, uh, that was his last playoff run. I remember he came in the locker room. And he gave us a speech about you know about what he meant for him to, to own the Devils, and he was going to pass it along to the Yankee Net group. So, uh, like you said, there was a lot of things that happened that year, uh, and it's probably why we won. You know, it's amazing everything. Everything when it's rosy, sometimes it's it's the hardest seasons to play in. You know, and we had a lot of adversity, and then we uh, we addressed it really well, and and that's some success. Yeah, and I think you know with Josh Mullen wanting to sell, I think that was a bit of a, you know, took some of the pressure off us a bit. That was kind of like. Everyone was asking about that. How do you feel that? And that kind of just let us go out there and play our game and really took the pressure off as a, as a hockey club. Plus, uh, you know, Marty, we know how special Dr. Mack was. He, he was one owner nowadays. We have a lot of, there's two or three guys that own a hockey club. I know there's still some single owners, but Dr. Mack was wonderful. He just he just put Lou in charge and let Lou do his thing, never interrupted. He was always there, but just on the sidelines. And uh, it was fun to play for Dr. Mullen, a uh, very special person. And always had his uh, dog Bubba with him. Uh, oh yeah, wherever, wherever. <laughs> we have some big stories was. about Bubba. Oh yeah, well, <laughs> got the clown's rabbit yeah. at, the, at the Christmas party. Yeah, well, you started. We might as well finish it. So there is this Christmas party, and the clown has a rabbit. The magician has a rabbit, and suddenly there's a commotion under the table. And Bubba got the rabbit. It, <laughs> it was a yeah, former yeah, rabbit. So at the my, end. my kids, my kids are still shocked and shocked about that. <laughs> the best thing is too, and you know, Dr. Mullen, he was a hunter. He liked to, to bird hunt, and that so the dogs. It was a raised to work. It was a working dog. So he was just doing what he's supposed to do. Yeah. But it was funny. The next day when we came into South Mountain, I don't know who did it, but you come in there and there was a white tape of the rabbit on the red carpet, <laughs> right where where the scene of the crime was. And we just had a yeah. as sad as it was, we we couldn't stop laughing. With that taped-out little rabbit on the red uh, carpet in the in the locker room. Yeah, well, uh, that was one of the moments. But I, so let's get to some stories. I mean, we've talked about all the serious stuff, right? What a team of characters, though. Kenny Danico, Claude Lemieux, Bobby Holik, Randy Gomez. McKay, Scotty Gomez. <laughs> I mean, personalities galore. You do not see that in this team's uh, in this uh, times game. You don't see. It. Maybe a team has one guy who's a little outside the box. You had a ton of them. You know what? I, I think, you know, we we were... John Madden. I'm thinking yeah. of another guy who wasn't afraid <laughs> yeah. to speak his mind, and he was a young kid. Yeah. I mean, I think uh, we were a team that expected to win. Uh, our owners, our GM, right from the top down, we were built to win. And I think when people came here that were traded here, they just came in and they didn't say a word. They just watched what we do and how we conduct ourselves, and they just fit right in and became an impact and helped our club where... Other teams, a guy could go in there and just not fit in. He could upset the whole apple cart, but we had great leadership with our group from the top down. And I think when we made a move, guys came here and said, geez, you know, these guys know how to do it. They know what they're doing here. I'm going to come in here and do my job and be a part of this and try to help this club win another Stanley Cup. And I think that's uh, that goes a long ways. There had to be some some stories, though, maybe that you can share about a Scotty Gomez. What a great personality. Comes in rookie of the year winner, by the way, that year. Yeah. Let's not forget that. 
Yeah, well, you know, I think Gomer was great, especially coming in from, from nowhere a little bit. You know, I mean, he's, yes, he was a first-round pick, but, uh, you know, for him to, to make the team at that age was kind of surprising to everybody. And uh, and his personality, we got, you know, like like anybody, like the media, like us, we kind of learn learn about his his, his, uh, his personality as we went. And, and him being, you know, Mexican and... and a proud Mexican, I would say. Yeah. And uh, it was just great you know, having his family, Carlos coming in. His mom was always in town, uh, you know. And it, we just bonded with the whole with the whole group. And you know, you go from from Whitey that gets a kid from Newfoundland, uh, not sorry, Nova Scotia. Uh, he co- he comes in town and and he's like the funniest kid. Like he, you know, he just wants to do. He barely has any teeth in his mouth, and <laughs> you know the stories and his laugh, you know, and. Uh, I could go on on and on and on about certain characters we had, but you know, at the end of the day, we all fit in, and then we all made a team, and that's what our teams are made up. They're different personalities, and then you come together, and then that's what we did. And, and you're funny. You mentioned Gomer, and, and you know, Gomer was that guy at a young age. He he was a great player, but he did sort of relax the group. I'm very intense. Bobby Leake's intense. Claude Lemieux's intense. So to kind of have a Gomer once in a while to sort of lighten up the dressing room is what he did was kind of a good fit in in, in retrospect yeah. for our club yeah just a, a great personality and of course as i mentioned rookie of the year so you played on three stanley cup champions i'm not going to ask you which one means more but what made 2000 different from 95 and then 2003 i'll start uh like for me obviously 95 is the first one my uh, first one for everybody in new jersey obviously but i was at a young age but i think the fact it took us so much time to get back thinking that we were competitive every single year that we thought we we're going to win the Santa Cup every year and there was no result so for us to um, get back to you know the ultimate goal of winning the Stanley Cup was really really special um, the fact that because we won one cup and we're able to help four or five young players to achieve their dreams also is something that's really uh, something to value as a as an athlete that you're able to help somebody winning and you know 03 it's similar you know like uh, winning in 03 was something special because there was older guys that joined our team that never won and uh, we're able to g- give that like thinking about Turner Stevenson and Jim McKenzie and, and, and uh, Pascal Rayom and uh, other guys that were a smaller role but important role for our hockey club but 2000 was special because I thought this this has started our, like really our our dynasty. If you really think about the, the teams we had from 2000 to 2003, you know, losing to Game Seven, had a tough year in 2002, and winning again in 2003. That's four years. I know that's my best years that I've I've spent in New Jersey. Yeah, um, like I've said before, '95 special because I've played 13, 14 years. You be, you wonder are you going to be one of those guys that plays a lot of years and has a good career but doesn't win the Stanley Cup so 95 was really special and then you look at 2000 and for me as big as winning the cup was I think that series against the Flyers was something that you almost remember more because like I said it was a defining moment I mean we're down three games to one in the conference finals something that's not been done very often to come back and win that that was kind of our Stanley Cup as hard as Dallas was. That was our moment that galvanized us as a group and helped us move on to win the Stanley Cup. If we don't go through that adversity, I don't know if we're ready to take on Dallas and win that Cup. Well, I'm not sure how much time we took. We appreciate both of you giving us generously of your time. 
Time did fly. We've got a thousand other stories we could touch upon, but it's been a lot of fun reliving uh, the year 2000. And uh, you'll be getting together with your mates prior to the celebration against Dallas. Interesting, the reunion will take place here of a championship you won at Reunion Arena, right, in Dallas. It's just, I don't, I don't know. <laughs> at least against Dallas. So. Okay, yeah. <laughs> at any rate, thanks very much, Marty and, and, and Scotty, for your time. Thanks, Matt. Well, I hope you enjoyed that as much as I did. It was very much an enjoyable chat with Marty Brodeur and Scott Stevens. That'll wrap it up for this edition of the Devil's Podcast. Thank you so much for your company. We'll see you next time. Bye-bye.